today's message is our God is real. Our God is real. Isn't that good? Our God is real. He is a living God. The scriptures declare, The Lord liveth, and blessed be my rock, and let the God of my salvation be exalted. For I know that my Redeemer liveth. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost, that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And when those beasts give glory and honor, thanks to him that sat on the throne, who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever. And the four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying, Unto me, saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead. And behold, I am alive forevermore. Because he lives, the song we sing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. Because I know, I know he holds the future. Life is worth the living just because he lives. Our God is alive today. Our God is living. The Bible declares it plainly from book, from cover to cover. Our God lives boldly declares that he is alive and that he lives forevermore. He's not an imagination. He's not a fairy tale. He's not some sort of atmosphere or some sort of funny feeling. Our God is real and he is alive. He is God. He is the living God. The psalmist says, My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. My soul longeth, yes, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Do you know, we as Christians this morning, we have a living God. We have a living God that we can search for. We have a living God that we can reach out to. We have a living God who will meet every one of our desires. He is the desire of our heart. We may not realize that. We're all at different places at the moment. But the desire of our heart is the living God. Because that's the way we were designed. That's the way we were created. We were created for God. Our deepest desire, our deepest longing is the living God. You know, God declares to us that he is alive. Not to convince himself because he knows it. But to convince us. Because many of the time we think, God, are you there? God, where are you? And we start to find doubt and we think, oh, God, where are you? God's saying to us, I am alive and well and I live forevermore and I am here for you. I am here for you to meet every one of your needs. But the Bible says that idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. 
The idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. There is a living God, yet man chooses to serve a dead God. Man chooses to reject him, to walk away from him, to turn his back on him, and say, listen, I'm going to serve a dead God. And sadly, this is not every man wants the living God. Not every man seeks the living God. He chooses the vanity of his own imaginations. He chooses the, 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 the vanity of his imaginations over the wonders of the living God. To choose to worship an idol over the person of the living God. And that's a sad place to be in. That we will choose an idol. An idol means an image. We will choose to serve an image and call it God. When there is a living God who wants our hearts and is the, is, is, is the desire of our, of our hearts. So with that in mind, let's turn to Psalm 115. I just want to read a few verses here. Psalm 115, verse 1. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory, for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. Wherefore should the heathen say, Where is now their God? But our God is in the heavens. He has done whatsoever he has pleased. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they speak not. Eyes have they, but they see not. They have ears, but they hear not. Noses have they, but they smell not. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. Neither speak they through their throat. They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. Verse 2 says, wherefore should, wherefore should the heathen say, where is now their God? You know, well, this is the era that we live in today. This is where we are today. Where the heathen are saying, where is your God? Where is your God? We're laughed at. We're sneered at. Ridiculed. We say, are you believe in furry stories? And because we're coming to the end days, this has become more and more rampant. Where the heathen are saying, where is your God? Where is your God? He's on the phone, isn't he? Where is your God? And this is the era that we are in. But what is the alternative? What is their alternative? What is their alternative to us? What have they got to offer? What has the heathen got to offer? What are they holding out as a replacement to the living God? Verse 4 says, Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. As I said, idols means images. They present a man-made image. And granted, some of these images are very ornate. Images of gold and of silver. You go to foreign countries and maybe even not, maybe even more um, local, and you see gods ornately made from gold and silver 
and even from wood all carved out. And if you're just looking at it naturally, you'd say, that's, that's, that's a beautiful piece of work. That's well done. But it's not God. It's not God. They have images of men. They have images of animals. The Bible says in Romans how they took the, the, the incorruptible God and turned them into corruptible things and made idols and made birds and flying things and animals. And ornate and as, and as, as, as beautiful looking as they are, they're not God. There is, they make, uh, make gods of stone, of rocks. Even in the modern world, they look at cities and buildings and skyscrapers. And it's an image of their God because it's all that they're seeking. In the intellect world, their intellect is their image, is their God. Their knowledge is their God. But summed up in this verse, the idols of the, sil- the, idols of the heathen are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Summing it up, dead idols, images of men's hands. C.H. Spurgeon says, The work of men's hands, inasmuch as the maker is always greater than the thing that he has made, these idols are less to be honored than the makers who fashioned them. How irrational that men should adore that which is less than themselves. How strange that a man should think that he can make a God can madden us go no further. And I think that's a true saying. Listen, we have a pulpit, we have a, a communion table, we have chairs, we have a stage, we have music, um, instruments. But none of them are greater than the maker. None of them are greater than the maker who made them. But yet man, in his, in his arrogance, will make a thing and call it God, even though he made it. It doesn't make sense. I will make my God, but he is greater than even the thing that he made. And this is why God, the living God, is our God, because he made us. But man debases himself Man belittles himself, pulls himself down from the place where God put him and worships idols of silver and gold, the work of men's hands. Dead at its best. Verse 5 says, They have mouths, but they speak not. You know, certain parts of the world, different cultures, they have household gods. You go into some Chinese restaurants and you'll see the wee fat Buddhas and the wee shrines and you see them feeding their gods and you see you know, household gods and temple gods and town gods and in certain areas they have different gods that they pray to. You know, they pile by and they bow before them and they spin their prayer wheels and, and, and so forth and they lay food before them. But when they stand up, when they walk by, they're no better off. Because the idols of the heathen are silver and gold. The work of men's hands. There's no answer comes back. Because they have mouths, but they speak not. When they leave, they leave the same way they came. It's the work of men's hands. You know, this scripture says that the work of men's hands, they have mouths, but they speak not. And I think we can look at it another way. 
you know, that this scripture is saying to us, there is words that are being spoken, there's mouths that are speaking, but they're not saying words that encourage. They're not saying words of truth. They're not speaking the words that lead to the truth of the living God. They have mouths that don't say anything of truth. The idols of the day say, eat, drink, and be merry. Enjoy yourself in your sin. You only have one life. Live it to the full. You can fulfill every desire no matter what it is. But these are, these are mouths that are speaking nothing of truth, nothing of value. They don't speak the truths that would lead a man or a woman to be a better person. They find value in their lives that is going to lead them to the true and living God. They have mouths, but they speak nothing of value. They have nothing to say. So what's better, it would be better if they said nothing. And they are saying nothing. They're saying nothing to the Christian. They're saying nothing to the Christian. Because it says nothing to us about the living God. It only speaks of the things that feeds itself. It speaks to our carnality. You know, you, don't have to, you only have to take a brief look at daytime TV. Brother Yule, because of his health, you know, he's, he's, he's a, he has daytime TV, and I think he's very, very sick of it. <laughs> but you go on there and you see this information, tidbits of information, offering everything but the truth. You know, the big thing now is life coaches. Life coaches. Now, I'm not saying everybody information that they can give out doesn't, can't help, but if it's not based on the living God, they have mouths, but they speak not. It's not worth a button. We need the word of God, the word of the living God. They have mouths, but they speak not. Dead words from a dead image. Again, verse 5 says, They have eyes, have they, but they see not. They have eyes, but they see not. Does the idols today see your pain? Do they see your hurt? Do they see your needs? Do they see your desires? Do they see you when you're alone and you're struggling? They have eyes, but they see not. Maybe you only see yourself. The Bible says in... in, in, in um, you see yourself as an image. Let me just read to you from Second Timothy. You don't have to turn to it. I'll read it for you. Maybe your image you see today is just yourself with your own eyes. Second Timothy says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy. But for men shall be lovers of their own selves, their own God. There is me and there is no one else. Selfishness, 
men shall be lovers of their own selves. And listen, you don't have to turn the TV on or look in any magazine and you can see this plainly. This world is self-obsessed with image. Self-obsessed with image. Now I'm not saying you can't look after yourself. But when it becomes your God, when you become your own image of God. Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And this is the world we're in. And sadly, in areas this has crept into the church where it's more about image and less about anointing. It's more about how you look than what you say. It's 10 steps, 15 steps, 3 steps, 4 steps. Not saying that all of it is, is, is no good. But it has to be from the word of God. It's not about what man says, it's about what God says. It's not about image, it's about anointing. In some areas, they're more concerned about their own image than the image of God. Where God is just a, a tool to be used. But God won't be used because he is the real living God. Eyes have they, but they see not. The work of men's hands. They have ears, but they hear not, verse 6. Whose voice is heard today? Whose voice is heard today? The Bible talks about the poor and the needy. I think of the elderly today. The oppressed. You know, the big thing on television at the moment is the, the euthanasia. Assisted suicide. Whose voice is being heard? There's a voice that cries out. But to a large extent it goes unheard. Unanswered. By the idols of this world. By the gods of this world. Who hears their cry? You know, you think around the world we have corrupt regimes. I think of North Korea. And I remember watching a show one night about these doctors, foreign doctors, that went to North Korea. And they were helping people with just some simple ailments, but some more serious ailments. And when the, 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 there was one lady who actually had cataracts in her eyes and, and had been removed. And I showed you the, 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 the camera, and they were in this big room. It was, they were all dressed the same and in front of the picture of, of their leader. And when they pulled back the things you could see, but she was so brainwashed that she got down on her knees and worshipped the, the image on the wall of their leader. A corrupt regime taking the place of God. And he was more, no more interested in her and in her, in hearing her than anyone because he's living in luxury while his people are starving. And there's other ones around the world. We have greed We've seen that recently in the credit crunch. Not all bankers, but some. But not only bankers. We have greed. But they won't hear the cry of those in need, of the poor, of the helpless, of the oppressed. Their voice goes unheard. Man's images are all about self. Jesus picked it up with the rich young ruler. And he said to the rich young ruler, he said, Master, what have I to do to follow you, to be saved? 
and he said about all of the commandments. The rich young ruler says, I've kept them all. And then Jesus says, give up all of your wealth. I'm paraphrasing. And he says he went away because he had great riches. He went away sad because his riches was his God. And Jesus knew how to pick that out. But the images are so powerful today. The gods of this world are so powerful. And we serve them, but they only hear themselves. And they're selfish. And they make us selfish. Jeremiah, just let me read you some passages from Jeremiah. Jeremiah 7 says, The word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Stand in the gate of the Lord's house and proclaim these there the, this word and say, Hear the word of the Lord, all ye of Judah, that enter in at these gates to worship the Lord. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Amend your ways and your doings, and I will cause you to dwell in this place. Trust you not in lying words, saying, The temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord, the temple of the Lord are these. For if you thoroughly amend your ways and your doings, if you thoroughly execute execute judgment between a man and his neighbor, if you oppress not the stranger, the fatherless and the widow, and shed not innocent blood in this place, neither walk after other gods to your hurt, then I will cause you to dwell in this place in the land that I gave your, to your fathers forever and ever. If you will hear me and do what is right, stop oppressing the fatherless, the widows, the poor. God's saying, turn from your ways. Jeremiah 18 says something similar. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, behold, um, he wrought a work on the wheels. I'll have to stop there because I've wrote the wrong verse down, sorry. (laughs) But he's saying the same thing. Stop oppressing. Stop oppressing the poor, the fatherless, the widows. Look after them, the elderly. Stop oppressing them. Stop being greedy for yourself. Hear their cry. Hear what they need. Jesus spoke countless times around about the poor and the needy. But the gods of this world are selfish. They have ears, but they hear not. The work of men's hands. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. What are hands and feet speak of? Hands and feet speak of action. Of doing something. Hands and feet speak of action. Turn with Luke to me, with Luke to Luke ten. Sorry, with me, please. Just a very familiar story to us about the Good Samaritan. I'll not read it all, but let me just read a few verses. And we know this young man's been beaten up. He fell among thieves. And verse 31 says, By chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. 
But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him, and went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn, and took care of him. And on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence and gave them to the host and said to him, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. This is hands in action. If you look at that verse, verse 34, he says, And when he went into him and bound up his wounds, he used his hands to bind up his wounds. He was able to do something for him, and he done it. He poured in the oil and the wine. There was action. He set him on his own beast. He lifted him off the ground and set him on his own beast at his own cost because this man should have been on his own beast. And he brought him to the inn and took care of him. And then finally he put his hand in his pocket it's interesting, I think, that he put his hand in his pocket last because sometimes to give him money is the easiest thing to do. But God has given his hands to reach out in his behalf, to reach out and help, to reach out and touch, to reach out and, reach out and bind, bind up and to help and to lift one another. The good Samaritan, he lifted him he bound him up, he poured in the oil, set him on his own beast, and then put his hand in his pocket. It was all about action. Think of John 4 and 4, which talks about the woman of Samaria. And Jesus says, I must needs go through Samaria. And this is where we see, feet have they, but they walk not. But Jesus walked to her. He went her way to her his feet were used in action think of the maniac of Gadara in Mark 5 Mark 5 verse 1 it says they came to the other side of the sea he went to him Jesus went to him he walked towards him but the idols have hands but they won't handle they have feet, but they won't walk. God is looking for a people of action. And the idols of this world won't act. And they won't walk. They won't help. The idols of men's hands. They have hands, but they handle not. Feet have they, but they walk not. And then it says, They that make them are like unto them. So is every one that trusteth in them. What does that mean? They are like unto them. They are dead in their hearts. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold. Dead gods. And we find a people who serve them and make them a dead people. Dead in their hearts to truth. Yes, they look good. They have a great image. They're well thought of. But dead in their hearts. Dead in their hearts to truth. They've mouths, they've plenty to say, but it's nothing of value. Nothing of value. Nothing that will lead men and women to the truth in God. They have eyes, but they will not see. 
because they're only looking at themselves. They're only interested in self. Because if they look, they may have to do something. They have ears, but they will not hear the cry of the poor, the oppressed, and be moved with compassion. They have hands and feet, but they won't go. They won't do. They won't do anything because they've blocked it all out. They see no evil. They hear no evil. They won't reach out. And because they won't reach out, the man on the other side is still in, in chains. I'm talking about the maniac of Gadara. If Jesus hadn't went, that man would still be in his chains. The woman of Samaria would be still be living in sin. And it's the same with the idols of the heathen. The idols of the heathen are silver and gold today. We can just walk on by and don't see the need and we don't hear the need and we don't, we don't act. You know, Jesus said in Exodus 20, verse 1 and 6, in, in the commandments, he says, to have no other gods before me to make no other gods, to have no images. And I think there's two reasons why he said this. Because it would always cause man to look away from him. For no image, no system can take the place of God. There's nothing can take the place of God. No image, no system. Because he is the one true living God. He is our God. And number two, that there is nothing on earth that compares to him. You can't make a thing in this earth that compares to him. To use a phrase, he is out of this world. He is out of this world. There's nothing in value that you can make to him. All this world has got is silver and gold. But that is nothing in value to God. There's nothing in nature you can make all the statues from wood and stone that there is, but it is nothing to God. There's nothing in greatness compared to him and nothing in glory. Everything falls short of God. Do you know, God wants to reveal himself to us. And for us to see who God really is, he has to reveal himself to us. There's everything in this earth falls short. Nothing comes close. No idol, no image. Nothing compares. But our God is real. Let me just finish. But I want to just say a few points on that. On those scriptures we read from the opposite point of view. But our God is real and he is living. Their idols are silver and gold. But our God is a father and a father that curse. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Our God is a father. And our God is flesh and bone who humbled himself and took the form of a servant that he would take our sin 
upon himself and upon the cross. Our God is a spirit who comforts us, who abides with us, who teaches us the truth that enables us to walk in it. This is not silver and gold. This is the living God. Our God is not silver and gold. He is the living God. The work of man's hands? No. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. There is nothing in this earth like God. Nothing compares to him. They have mouths, but they speak not. But our God has a mouth, and he speaks. And he says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, Will ye also go away? Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? This, I love this, this phrase. Thou hast the words of eternal life. Thou hast the words of eternal life. Our God has a mouth and he speaks. And he has the words of eternal life. He's a speaking God. And, he, and you know, I don't have to tell you this because you know this. Because you've experienced it. He speaks comfort. He speaks love. He speaks encouragement. He speaks health. He speaks into your life whatever you need. He speaks it into it and it is done. You've experienced this yourself. Our God has a mouth and he speaks and his word is done. Their gods have eyes but they see not. But our God sees. The eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect towards him. God is looking towards you and I. He is looking towards his people. His eyes are open to us and he's looking to show himself strong on our behalf. Even Jesus said in John, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him. Behold, an Israelite in whom is no guile. Nathanael said unto him, Whence knowest thou me? Jesus answered and said unto him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou was under the fig tree, I saw thee. Our God sees. His eyes are open towards his people. He saw Joseph in the prison. He saw Moses in the bulrushes. He saw Daniel in the land's den and he sees you and I. Our God is a living God. They have ears but they hear not. But our God's ears are open to us. The eyes of the Lord, the eyes of the Lord are upon the righteous and his ears are open unto their cry. Hearken unto the voice of my cry, my King and my God, for unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning, O Lord. In the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee, and I will look up. Our God hears. His ears are open to his people, and he hears you and I. It says, Noses have they, but they smell not. The Bible says, For we are unto God a sweet savour of Christ. A sweet smelling savour. Unto the Lord, and the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God. 
God senses us. He smells our prayers. And it moves his heart. And they have hands, but they handle not. They have feet, but they walk not. But our God has hands, and he uses them. And he has feet, and he walks with them. At his hand there are pleasures forevermore. O thou that savest by thy right hand, underneath are the everlasting arms. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them, gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. We are firmly in God's hands. He his hands and he uses them. The Bible says he walked with Adam in the cool of the day. It says he walked with Enoch. He walked with Noah. And then with David he says, And let it be when thou hearest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry bush trees, that then thou shalt stir thyself. For then shall the Lord go out before thee to smite the hands of the Philistines. Our God has hands and he uses them. And he has feet and he walks with us. We serve the living God. Not a God made with men's hands. But the living God. And there's nothing on earth like him. They that make them. And they that trust them. Are like unto them. We are like our God. We see. We hear. We work. We see, we work for God. We hear the oppressed. We hear the poor. We see them. And we go and we make a difference by the grace of God. Because this is the God we serve. Not a selfish God. The work of men's hands. But the living God. The real God. The real one. And as we do that, we will show forth God. We will show forth God. And we will make him famous. We will make our God famous. We serve a living God this morning. You know, it excites me just reading those scriptures and I sense my spirit just being lifted. We serve a living God today. A real God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Hallelujah. Father, we just want to acknowledge here this morning that you are the living God and that you are here. You are in this building right now, Lord. And we want to acknowledge the living God. We want to praise you and worship you and give you the glory that is due unto your name. Lord, the heathen can have their silver and gold gods, but we will have the living God. We will have you, Lord. Lord, we want to thank you that you hear us. We want to thank you that you see us. We want to thank you that you smell us, Lord God. We want to thank you, Lord, that your hands are reached out towards us, Lord God. We want to thank you, Lord, that you walk before us, Lord God. 
We want to thank you, Lord, that we are safe in your hands, Lord, and that no man can pluck us out of your hands. Lord, we exalt you this morning. We glorify you. I pray, Lord, this morning for your people here, Lord God, that they would see you, that they would see you in a new and living way, Lord God. The Lord, their hearts would be lifted, their spirits would be strengthened, Lord God. Lord, this world would tell us that we're wrong, that we're, we're, we're living a fairy tale, Lord. But Lord, we know we are living the truth, the truth that is in Christ. We exalt you this morning, Lord. You are worthy to be praised. We bless you and magnify you. We bless you and magnify you for who you are, Lord God. You are the living God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus. Blessed be your name. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. And we pray, Lord, that we we would go out, Lord God, on your behalf, in your part of your anointing, Lord God, and that people would see you through us, Lord God, that they would see the one true living God. We just bless you, Lord. We just couldn't, we just can't bless you enough, Lord God. We want to thank you that you are our God. You are our God, and we honor you. Bless your people this morning, Lord God. Bless them mightily, Lord God. And we give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen.